Welcome to the seven and a half floor of the Merton Flummer Building. As you'll now be spending your workday here, it is important that you learn a bit about the history of this famous floor. Welcome to Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute, the daily podcast in which we attend orientation in the AV room in the hopes of understanding the film Being John Malkovich one minute at a time. I'm your host, Austin Pryor, and if they're ready to crawl into the tunnel once more, about to join me are my guests, Ellen and Luke from Love Rosie Podcast. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I feel like I'm th- I've been born. Yeah, well, it's uh, I know it's a bit gooey in here, but It does get easier every time though. It does, yeah, yeah, yeah. Today we discuss minute 13 of being John Malkovich. Minute 13 starts with Dr. Lester's apology to Craig and ends 1 minute later with a tantalizing glimpse of the stock footage that begins the orientation video. I've put down, someone explain the low ceilings, please, because I just don't understand them. <laughs> that's that's my note. For right. This, this. Well. Um, low overhead. Low overhead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll explain. I'll explain the low ceiling. You see, there was this Irish ship captain. <laughs> um, the low ceilings are never explained. We're told this version of the story. We're also told that it's bullshit. And, you know, we we don't believe it. But this seven and a half floor does have a very distinct, uh, strange feature. It's got this door and that leads to a portal. Now, it's later stated that Captain Merton found the portal. So that means it didn't have a door on the front of it. So... I'm forced to conclude that the portal existed as an opening just floating up in the air, seven and a half stories up, and that either Captain Merton discovered it and then started building his building to reach it, yeah, or he happened upon it by chance while building the building, mm-hmm. and then changed the plans of the building to match a door to go onto this point in space, because otherwise... Otherwise, the, the point covered. in the air yeah. that I mean, that's like I have I have now thought about this more than Charlie Kaufman has ever thought about it. So yeah. it's like it's just fan wank that you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not yeah. like that's not but it's, really it's, what, it's, it's kind of what we were saying before that you can get so lost in your own law as, as yeah. a writer. Yeah, that I have so much respect for those who just go, eh, just go with it, which is Absolutely. one thing which I as a Richard Curtis fan. He did with About Time and with Yesterday. About Time, time travel. Yesterday, he's in a world where the Beatles doesn't exist. It's not how yeah. is he there. It's here's the universe. Let's tell a story with it. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. I, yeah. I have so much more respect for that than if About Time was suddenly like, oh, and here's the history of like genetically why it's only the men in the family that can travel back in time. And it's just like, no, just go with it. And I'm, yeah. yeah. If this movie were made today or if, you know, God forbid, somebody does some kind of sequel or another take on it they will inevitably ruin it or they yeah. would ruin it with with over explaining and with like all these little yeah, I, I mean, enjoy that, I the kind of the playing of with it in my head it? yeah that's the beauty of yeah. it you can just kind of interpret what you want with that I guess I can confirm that my now officially announced being Bill Nye will not <laughs> go into any of yes <laughs> okay yeah so when you do your you, you'll be respectful of the lore oh, and yeah. not and not over explain yeah, because if you do the math, and we'll be, or did I just say do the math? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> if you do the maths, um, I'm listening to too many American podcasts. Mm. There's there's a lot of things about 
the portal and Captain Merton and the history of it that don't that a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions, yeah. and there are things that don't quite work. And I'm I'm more than fine with that. I would hate if the film was bogged down in explaining yeah. them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I love trying to you know play around with it all in my head. Yeah. But I think that instinct that is kind of a nerdy instinct is given too much uh, attention in our culture at the moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, this obsession with canon and with uh, lore and continuity, it just it just has to stop, you know. Uh, and I love this movie as an antidote yeah. to all that. I wonder whether it was linked to the kind of assumption now that if a film is good, it will get a sequel. I'm wondering whether that kind of basis, the very kind of sequel remake reboot idea yeah. means that there's so much world building that yeah. has to happen i don't think it's about it being good though it's not about it being good it's about how many people watch it how many people want the second thing. yeah and people are building in kind of base for the internet get people are building into yeah. the movie all of this stuff for all the the fans will go go crazy they'll love discussing all that yeah. and then where it's a bit messy oh, we'll fix that in the later one after we've <clears throat> responded to the fans. And it's a it's a dark path to go down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it, once again, I, I have so much respect for filmmakers who even break their own law, which sounds so stupid because yeah. you should have the world building. But to talk once again about, about time, have you seen it, Austin? Talk. I haven't, I'm afraid. Okay. Oh, you're going to have him after you now. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sir. The Richard Curtis section in my uh, Blu-ray collection is uh, sadly lacking. <laughs> As in most, but don't worry, I have. Uh, <laughs> hang, hang on, this this is this is of no purpose to anyone except you. But give, uh, the, the <laughs> me, it. really? But, well, Are you maybe? Maybe. <laughs> oh no! You have to put up with all this on a on a weekly basis. Yep. So, if you were to want a copy of About Time, got the Blu-ray, got DVD, got another DVD, got another DVD, got another DVD. Why? Now I've got loads of copies all over my floor. Because when I was doing the show, it had just been taken off Netflix. And people were asking me, where can I watch it? So whenever I saw it in charity shops, I bought it. Yeah. then... In the wonderful way of irony, it got added to Netflix the week we finished the show. <laughs> and so it, there's just this weird period of time where it wasn't on while we were doing the show. Uh, while you were doing the show. Um, but yeah, it's... Um, I uh, Essentially, what I was going to say is there's a scene, I don't know if you remember, Ellen, on, on the beach with his dad at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that, that big emotional scene falls to pieces if you think about it for more than 10 seconds. Okay. It breaks the entire law and rule of time travel. And the, it even breaks the reason why it's emotional. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a big reason why it's emotional. And yet, if you think about what it means, that falls apart. And yet you're watching it. And whether you're tearing up like me, because I tear anything, I think most people get some form of chills or something. Because yeah. how sweet it is. And I think that's fine. I think. Yeah. Well, it's like it uh, Captain America, Captain America going the long way around at the end of uh, Endgame. Yeah. Which breaks the time yeah. travel logic of the rest of the film. I mean, you can never, you can never win with time travel. You're always going to have plot holes. That's kind of how time travel works. Uh, I don't know. I got my time travel rules, <laughs> and they're pretty consistent. How do they not have not have like severe neck or back injuries? I wanted to say this. Floor? That's why I still didn't understand yeah. the low ceiling. I was like, where is the health and 
all that thing coming from. I would have just liked when we saw like Lester outside of the seven and a half floor for him to just kind of be like, yeah, neck exercise arch the or back. Something. Yeah. Yeah. there's a lot of making of footage and people are complaining they were in that set for hours at a time and if you were making it with a big budget in hollywood you could have a breakaway ceiling that every every 10 minutes or between takes it just lifts up and then everybody can stand up and stretch out but this was not that budget of a film so they built the sets this way so for anybody who wanted to just take a break between scenes they would just have to walk off the set but for people who were staying in there like the the main crew they were just in there for hours and hours and hours yeah. and everybody was having back pain i think the actors got it didn't get it quite as badly even though you know, mm. the actors are the ones well, we I see guess, yeah they're the ones sitting down as well though aren't they yeah, there's a lot of sitting down, which is fine. Um, and I, I, I notice as well, I'm going to track as the film progresses. Yeah. Maxine, part of her character is that she's kind of untouched by the kind of humiliating yeah. uh, effect of the seven and a half floor. Most of her scenes, she's sitting. What irritates me is they all wear heels, all the women. Oh, interesting. I didn't see that. Yeah, I would, be, I would be in the flats You'd straight away. You'd be taking them off I, when you're in there. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why they even walk the way they do. Like, surely crawling, like, or yeah. something. Like, it's just, <laughs> they've, they've worked there for years, and it's just kind of, that's the casual stance to take, where it's like, I feel like you'd learn very quickly, or oh, maybe I'll just kind of crawl or crouch or something, not just yes. lean forward. That's not how you would do it. That's how you would do it if you had to walk through a low space very temporarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel but, like you're you're watching it and you're getting sympathetic neck pains. Exactly, just yeah, looking yeah. Looking at them. Uh, but remember, it's what serves the comedy and it's funnier watching them uh, do that, you know, to, to just like dip their heads. So... Minute 13. There's an interesting thing once we go into the AV room for the screening. I don't know if you notice this. I never noticed this consciously before. There is this background sound, this kind of... Uh, it's, it's not the same sound as the background sound for the later scene when we get into the tunnel. But it's this very distinct, low uh, uh, ambient hum. And it's... I checked in the other minutes and it's not there... It's it's the beginning of the kind of the magic theme. <laughs> it's done through sound design rather than score. I, I this might actually be part of the score. I don't know. He Carter Burwell d this, does love playing around with watching the orientation thing. Yeah, okay. but before he even watches it, just when he's in that room. Yeah, I didn't notice um, that. Though. It's in in Lester's office. The sound is not there, and yeah. then it is there once he's in the screening room. But I feel um, it's almost there's there's a microphone there. There's an old like VHS player. I feel like I just almost assumed it's the like technology hum. Uh, no, it's not that type of sound. I mean, maybe that's the intention, but I think it's it's a much more eerie sound than that. It's quite low in the mix, and I had to make sure that it wasn't some ambient sound in my own environment by pausing and unpausing the movie to make oh, sure yeah, it was yeah. there. You know what I mean? Pretty sure it's an intentional thing. I feel like I recognize. I recognize that later on in the film. Was it? Did it come back at any point? Later on in the film, it's much more distinct. When, whenever yeah. you're dealing with the portal, there's this... Yes, that's, that's when I... Yeah, yeah. And it's much more noticeable. Yeah, I've just listened back. You're right. It's like it's like a score's about to start. Yeah. It doesn't. Now, yeah. I know that Carter Burwell's score years later for No Country for Old Men 
has all of these like found sounds and traditionally non-musical instruments and atmospherics. So it wouldn't surprise me if Burwell did this sound effect or did this, you know, which would technically make it music. It sets the scene and yeah, it's because we're entering the kind of, I don't know. I mean, it could be because we're just about to see Maxine, but I think it's because we're getting closer to the door. The, the yeah. door into the portal. Spooky. Mm. You got the job. Oh. Any questions? Well, just one. Why are these ceilings so low? Low overhead, my boy. We pass the savings on to you. <laughs> but seriously, that'll all be covered in uh, orientation. Well, I love <laughs> the low overhead thing because it's such an yeah. awful joke. Yeah. That it, it's just one of those jokes that everyone in the office seems to, even in the um, in the video, yeah, it's, it's very clearly that that, w- that 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 woman or even the character she's playing has heard that joke a lot of times mm. and just has to laugh every time. And I love that that they it's almost just like an office in joke that feels so real that it's it's just brilliant. Yeah, it's it's perfect. And when you think of it, that when you realize once you've seen the movie that uh, Lester is Captain Merton, um, it, it kind yeah. of uh, adds to it. But but whatever whatever the lore is and whatever is going on lester is there to be near the portal to keep an eye on it and he's planning to use it on malkovich's 44th birthday and lester doesn't see it as a thing where you go in and spend 15 minutes being john malkovich and i don't i don't think as far as i know i don't i don't think lester goes in there all the time or or at all you know and and so i would have it like i wouldn't let that portal out of my sight if i were Mm. lester so this um, this video that they watched, the orientation one, as a young person of 2004, how old is the video supposed to be? Because this, this, <laughs> yeah, with yeah. this being before our time anyway, mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, the video portion is we haven't gotten to yet. So what you're seeing at the start is stock footage bought from a stock footage company. You're not downloading it from a website. You're going and buying are renting a piece of film. So that's why stock footage looks so grainy and nasty because it's been copied and copied. And even the copy you've got has probably been run through way more projectors or telecine machines than a piece of film should be. So it's like spot on. They are making a video and this is being played back on a videotape, but the source of this footage is film. And and this is where Spike Jones brings his expertise, he understands film and video very well and he brings that attention to detail. Anybody else would have just shot the whole thing on video or just shot the whole thing on film and then kind of made it video looking afterwards or whatever. Or nowadays, you know, I see it a mile off when something is obviously shot on the same type of cameras as the main show and then made to look a bit shaky or rubbish afterwards. They add like a grain on it or something, don't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's what I find, like the the recent films are just lazy. They're just lazy films. And that's what's so annoying because you don't have that true kind of feel to the film and I don't like that but which is so weird in a way because like golden era cinema Hitchcock and kind of golden era Hollywood they spent way less time on movies and yet they feel less lazy they feel like they use the time better yeah yeah 
Uh, that's interesting. They did they did turn films around more quickly in those days. But yeah, there's so many handmade effects, and uh, yeah, it was a, it was quite a factory. But it was like they just they didn't have as many options to digitally manipulate things. So they um, yeah, it was it was trickier. It was so they had so they had to be creative and work around these things. I feel like as a film student, I should notice, but I didn't. Being is being John Malkovich filmed on film or digital? Film. Nothing was really filmed on digital for another few years, except for you know a handful of films that were being made on video tape, like uh, like actual mini DV yeah, yeah. videotape. Um, so films like Time Code and um, Twenty Eight Days Later was a few years later. I was going to say my only kind of knowledge was that Tommy Wiseau filmed The Room on film and digital in two thousand and one. Yeah, this is yeah. What I mean, like it's quite difficult to notice now as well because there's films that are being yeah. created to look like they've yes. been filmed on film. Do you know what I mean? So it's really difficult to kind of recognize it, those. It's getting now. it's getting more difficult to tell as well because the the standard of digital video yeah. or digital cinema cameras is incredible and. A few years ago, it finally technically surpassed the dynamic range and the color reproduction that's possible on film. Um, and so now it's very much just a creative choice to use film. And it's a creative yeah. choice that I, I want, you know, every director who wants to use film, I want them to be able to use film. But I'm also not like a film supremacist, you know. If you want to remember how shooting on digital works in the kind of history of cinema just think of the star wars prequels so 1999 yeah. the phantom menace was shot on film the other two prequels are shot digitally mm-hmm. but they're very early and there's very few filmmakers doing it at that time yeah. so if you remember 1999 2002 and 2005 are the three the release years for those three movies and the, and two and three were shot digitally but nobody else had the confidence in digital yet and they were right because lucas was lucas is obsessed with digital technology and being able to manipulate everything to the last degree and he jumped too early it's clear that he did because those two films look terrible yeah it's so messy we'll get to the video itself tomorrow that uh that brings our discussion of minute 13 of being john malkovich to a close we can hold on no longer you're about to be spat out can you come back tomorrow yep If we can make it back in time. Good stuff, good stuff.